You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 389, Christmas in Matthew. So I'm recording this in the very first week of December. Uh, We're going to be looking over the next few weeks at the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus or the beginning of Jesus' life as presented by each of the four gospels. So today we're going to be exploring Matthew and seeing what he has to say. Next week we'll be in Luke. The week after that, we'll be looking at Mark and John. So, hope you'll stay with me for all three episodes, but I guarantee you, you will enjoy it. So, Christmas in Matthew. What does Matthew have to say about the beginning of Jesus' life? Uh, Matthew and Luke actually have uh, give us more information than, than Mark and John do. We'll talk about that later, but Matthew gives us an account from the point of view of Joseph. Luke's account comes from the point of view of Mary. Now, understand Matthew was written to, each of the Gospels were written to a different group of people. Matthew was written to Jewish Christians in the middle or even uh, later into the first century who were These were Jews who were following Jesus, and he was writing to disciple them, to show that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies, and to show them how that they should live and what it meant to be a disciple of Christ. Now, as he starts his gospel, he gives us something that we only see a couple of times in the New Testament, and that is a genealogy. We see these in the Old Testament. We see them in Genesis, uh, we see them in Numbers, we see them in in different places um, where where there's given these long list of names to show lineage and heritage. And so Matthew starts the New Testament. The New Testament begins with a chapter full of genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now this is This is important. You know, typically we want to just kind of rush over these names because they really don't mean anything to us today, but they would have meant everything to the original readers, especially a Jewish audience. This genealogy, it says in in, in Matthew 1.1, and I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation. I like to study and read personally my own devotions in the ESV version, but for, for readability's sake, I do enjoy the NLT, the New Living Translation. But Matthew in, in, in 1 1 says, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. So, right away, uh, Matthew is establishing that his genealogy is going to take us back and show us the link between Jesus, David, and Abraham. 
In fact, he starts in verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac was the father of Jacob, and then it gives Jacob's 12 sons. And then in verse 6, it goes down and says, Jesse was the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon. And this takes us on up to verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Fascinating genealogy for a couple of reasons. First of all, we have this link uh, between the, the, the Abrahamic covenant, where God promised um, from, from one man there would be a nation, and that he would give them a land. And then there's also the promise, the, the, the covenant that, that's made to David, um, that a descendant of David would forever occupy the throne. And this, is, this was actually fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of that Davidic covenant. But something else that we see in this genealogy Something else really important in this genealogy is the fact that Matthew lists a number of women. Now, typically, when you go through the genealogies in the Old Testament, there aren't many women mentioned. If they are, it's for a very specific reason, um, usually because there's no sons, and so the, the daughters would be mentioned. But, but very rarely are women mentioned in the genealogies. However, in Matthew's genealogy, he gives several. The first is Tamar. Tamar is a fascinating story of a woman who uh, her husband died. Um, and this was actually um, what's even more amazing is, is Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, uh, was her father-in-law. Tamar married one of, one of his sons. The son died. The brother's duty was to take her as a wife and have a son to keep his brother's lineage going. But he died because he was wicked, and she eventually conceived a plan because it was obvious Judah wasn't going to give her the third brother to keep her husband's uh, lineage going. So she conceived a plan to, to uh, actually have a relationship with Judah, and, and she got pregnant from that, unbeknownst to him. It's, a, it's an amazing story. It's actually kind of crazy. You know, people talk about the Bible being boring. My goodness gracious, that's a quite a story, that story of Tamar. So I'd encourage you to read it. Then the next woman that's mentioned is Rahab. Well, Rahab, if you're not familiar, was called a prostitute. That was her job. That was her profession. She lived in Jericho. And because she was, uh, she saw the handwriting on the wall, she realized that the, the God of the Israelites was the true God. She essentially surrendered to the Jewish spies, and they promised to save her when the city was destroyed. Uh, then we read about Ruth. What an amazing story. Ruth is, is, is a young woman who um, had some uh, uh, you know, controversy associated with her as well, but an amazing story. And then, of course, there's Bathsheba, who was uh, Solomon's mother. Um, we know the story. David was, was, had an adulterous relationship with her, had her husband killed, and uh, one of her offspring became the king after David died. So right there we've got, let's see, we've got Tamar, we've got Rahab, we've got Ruth, we've got Bathsheba, and then the next woman that's mentioned is Mary 
the mother of Jesus. So this is this is interesting. There's there, this is not accidental. This is intentional. Matthew is setting up the fact that Jesus's birth was going to be unorthodox. There was going to be controversy. There was going to be stigma surrounding the birth of Jesus. And this leads right into the next part of chapter 1, right after the genealogy. It says that this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. This is verse uh, 18. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She'll have a son. You're to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Wow. The woman you're, you're engaged to comes up pregnant. And, I mean, this is actually a, a, a capital offense. In that day, this would be considered adultery. Mary could have been stoned to death as an adulteress. And yet Joseph decided to just put her away quietly, to divorce her quietly. Um, the engagement was considered binding, and so he would actually have to divorce her. And that was what he actually intended to do, because obviously she's been unfaithful, she's pregnant. And then he has a dream in which an angel appears to him and says, it's okay, the Holy Spirit has brought this to pass, the child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be the Messiah. Absolutely amazing. You know, we just kind of read over these things, and we, we, we tend to forget that these were real people just like us the emotions that would have been swirling inside of Joseph, the emotions that Mary would have been feeling, wondering what was going to happen. Was Joseph going to turn her in? Was he going to accept her? Was she, he going to believe? Was he going to not believe? Was he going to reject her? There were so many things going into what they had to be feeling. But one of the other powerful things that we see is this idea of fulfillment of prophecy. Um right after the, the angel appears to Joseph, it says, all of this took place to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. This is from Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So this is... This is Joseph's story. We'll read about Mary's story next week, but just imagine Joseph. What a good man. What a, what a faithful man. He didn't understand what was going on. No one did. Uh, he would have been shocked. He would have been dismayed. He would have been surprised. He would have questioned. He would have questioned his own sanity, angels appearing to him in dreams. He would have questioned the validity of Mary's testimony. But ultimately, he chose to believe what the angel said to him in a dream. And the rest is history. He goes down in history as the human father of the Son of God, the Messiah. Joseph would have been the one who, who taught Jesus his, his trade as a craftsman. He would have been the one to, 
to teach Jesus how to use the tools, how to build things. He would have been the one to teach Jesus how to be a man. Joseph was his earthly father. Well, don't go away. We will be right back. I just wanted to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my latest novel, A Violation of Conscience. If you like action-packed, fast-paced stories with memorable characters, you've got to check out A Violation of Conscience and really all of my novels. I, I've just been so pleased with the, the response that, that people have given. They just love the characters. They love the stories. They love the action, the adventure. If you like that action-packed story, check out A Violation of Conscience. This is a story about a... And actually, this could be something right out of the headlines. It's a story about a, a police officer who's convicted wrongly for doing his job. And when he gets out of jail, he wants vengeance. And where do we go from there? That's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. Um, there's racial tension. There's political tension. And, you know, there's a fast-paced narrative that really, um, you, you, you probably want to be sitting down when you read. It's more comfortable to read that way anyway. So check out Violation of Conscience. You can click on the, the, the link in the show notes. It'll take you. You can read the first chapter or two for free and get a feel if you would like to buy it. But I encourage you to. It'd be a great Christmas present. Buy a bunch of them and give them away. All right. Well, we're back. We're talking about Joseph. We're talking about Matthew, Christmas and Matthew. You know, it's interesting. We, we saw a, an angel appear to Matthew, and, you know, that's fascinating. We're going to see that the angels appeared to, to Mary, an angel appeared to Mary as well. But, you know, I don't know about you, this is not a normal everyday occurrence, right? I mean, angels don't just come and appear to us that often. But, but the, the, the angels were here. They were appearing. They were confirming things. Um, the, 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 the prophecies were being fulfilled, uh, for Matthew, this is very important. Over and over and over again in Matthew's gospel, he said this happened so that this prophecy might be fulfilled. This happened that that prophecy might be filled. Matthew was always wanting to see the prophecies fulfilled. Well, let's turn to chapter 2 now. Um, we, we, we saw Matthew's account. We saw the genealogy. We saw the very unorthodox birth, a virgin birth. But then we move into chapter 2 and we meet these other people who are called the Magi, the wise men. Uh, Jesus, and this is chapter 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose and we have come to worship him. Now, this greatly disturbed King Herod. He was a very uh, ruthless and cruel and insecure leader. He had all his own family members put to death. He was a horrible leader, horrible man. And this idea of a new king being born was terrifying to him. He couldn't allow that to stand. But these wise men have shown up. They were esteemed. They were, they were considered ambassadors from their own countries. Uh, we don't really know where they came from, probably Babylon. But, but they're here now, they're in Jerusalem, they're, they're looking for the king, and of course they start at the palace. That's where kings would be born, right? But they end up uh, being directed to Bethlehem. 
And this is where, uh, again, a prophecy is quoted, and that is where they go to find the baby Jesus. And you know the story. They take gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They've traveled a long ways. They've probably got a huge camel train. And, and they brought these gifts, these expensive gifts to give to a king. And I, I wonder what these magi were feeling. They, they were turned away from the palace saying, he's not here. And they, they go to a, a house. This is probably sometime after the birth of Jesus, probably in the first few months or in the first year. Um, and, and, and they're staying in Bethlehem. This is, of course, remember, this is Joseph's home. So, so possibly this is Joseph's parents' home. But, but either way, they come to a house, not a palace, but a house. Probably not a big house, but a, but a, but a house in a city. And, 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 and instead of being greeted by uh, people in robes and, and, and trumpets, they're just asked to come into the house. They're welcomed into the house, and they see the baby Jesus. Yet something lets them know this child is special. This is, this is the one where the star led them to. This is, this is, this is powerful. This is... You know, they saw the star. It's led them to Bethlehem. And now, and now they're, 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 they're in, in contact with the Messiah, the baby Jesus. So they spend time with them. They give gifts to the baby Jesus. And then they get on their camels and head away. But instead of letting King Herod know where the baby was, they're warned by angels to, to, to not go back the way they come. It says when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So again, all these interesting supernatural events, um, the, the, the Holy Spirit or, or, or angelics, angelic beings speaking to the wise men in dreams, telling them don't return that way. Well, Herod, when he knew he was deceived, he, he said, well, I've got to go kill all the kids because one of them is going to be the king. And so he has all the males, young males, two years old and under, put to death in and around Bethlehem. But Joseph had had been spoken to again. An angel spoke to, to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother and stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him, to kill him. So now... This is kind of that little-known part of the Christmas story. Jesus is packed up, you know, probably in the middle of the night by Joseph and Mary, and they're hustled off to Egypt. This is not a, a, an easy trip. This is probably a long trip. Uh, maybe they got with, you know, to a caravan with, with other travelers and went to Egypt, but this is not an easy trip. They didn't just hop on a bus or take their car. They would have walked. Maybe they had a mule or two or a donkey or two to make it a little easier. But this was a long, difficult trip that they had to take the baby Jesus on. And we know that they were there for some time. We don't know how long, but we know that they were in in Egypt for some time. Some scholars speculate maybe even a year or two. Um, we, we just don't know. But, but there's, there, there's that period of time where Jesus is in Egypt. And you wonder what this did. Did he learn to speak some Egyptian? If you've seen the, the, the phenomenal uh, series, The Chosen, there's that one scene where Jesus meets the Egyptian woman and actually speaks some Egyptian to her. And the speculation was that while he was living there, he learned some, some Egyptian. But what an interesting story that is. But again, this was fulfilled 
uh, of prophecy. This is verse 15 of chapter 2. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious. He had the, the, the children put to death. But eventually, um, verse 19, it says, When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. And so he warned. He, he, he Joseph got up, did what he was told. But again, an angel speaking to him in a dream. This is these one one miraculous event after another, one supernatural occurrence after another. Um, you know, God speaking, and 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 I believe that God still speaks. I believe God speaks in dreams. I believe that God does use His angels today. I believe, you know, that that God is always speaking to us. But this was obviously a very special time. Um, you know, because because God was obviously setting events in, in place. He was obviously setting things up for His Son to be born, but also to be protected. Um, that's why He's giving very specific guidelines to, to Joseph about protecting this baby, this defenseless baby. Um, so, so it's an amazing story. Um, if you haven't read the, 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 the gospel narrative... Uh, the Christmas story in a while in, in in Matthew. I encourage you to do that. The first couple of chapters of Matthew. It's amazing. And when chapter 2 ends, uh, Joseph, instead of moving back to Bethlehem, he actually ends up moving into Galilee, which is a city in the Nazareth, in, in a Nazareth region. And again, the last verse of chapter 2, this fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Once again, fulfilling the prophecies. And as we continue to work through Matthew, if you continue to read through Matthew, you'll see this over and over again. Matthew saying, this happened so that this prophecy might be fulfilled. Well, I hope this is helpful to you. And I hope you begin to kind of start thinking, um, getting into the Christmas spirit as we begin to look at these stories and go through them. Um, you know, I like to read the, the New Testament year-round a couple of times, you know, throughout the year. So, so I'm reading these stories throughout the year, but at Christmas time, especially good to go back and just kind of slow down and read it slowly and digest it. Use your imagination. Think about what they were feeling and, and, and just put yourself in their place and, and, and ask yourself, how would I feel? How would I react if this had happened to me? Well, friends, I would love to hear from you. If this was good, if you enjoyed it, let me know. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. Um, if you'd like to get my free newsletter, in fact, I just sent one out. I'd be happy to send it to you if you just message me and say, look, I just subscribed, send me the newsletter, I'll send it to you. It was full of information about my recent trip to India. Uh, saw some amazing things. God's really doing some cool things there, but there are some definite struggles and, uh, and, and and obstacles that the Indian Christians are having to deal with. I put a bunch of pictures in there. And I think you would enjoy it. So davidspell.com, put your email address in that box up at the top, and um, you will be on my list and get all my future news, newsletters. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning.
Thank you.